Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Hi, I'm Shayna. And I'm Bryce. And I'm Liana. And this is Charmed, a Spellcast. Hey, you listening there. Have you heard about the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing how to fight like girls? Demon infested world. They're the charmed ones. They're the charmed ones. They're the charmed ones. Charmed! A spellcast! So here we are praying at my bed. Yes, we are all knelt in prayer. In the gutter, some of us are looking at the stars. Um, we're on Bryce's bed. Yes. And we have. An incredibly special guest today. <gasps> Who is it? Who Insert is my it? magical charm sound effect here. This is a reminder for Bryce. It's... Oh, yeah. Shayna! Oh, it's me! It's Mariska Hargate. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome, Mariska. <laughs> it's so lovely to be here. I had to take off of work and oh. had some things that I had to do, but I'm glad that I was able to make it over here to talk to you guys. I really admire your work, Stopping New York's Stop Worst. Stop it right there. Stop it right there. <laughs> I admire your work. Oh my, oh my god, Bryce, I've been a long time listener work. of the Charm Spellcast for quite some time. I watched it back in my day, back when I was on Law & Order, and I just can't help but listen to your podcast because it's so lovely. We can stop now. We yeah. Can, I think we can die now. Thank you, Marishka. You solved the most heinous crime. Which was... My heart. Dun, dun. <laughs> Good. Okay, so... Um, Mariska had to step out, and we're actually welcoming our second special guest. Insert my special magical chime sound effect here. Okay. Please welcome Liana Kindler. Hello. She's here. Wow, the air horn's already happening. I can't believe you guys bought a whole bag of them. We did. And they're all very soft. They're very soft air horns, gentle air horns. They're very small. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now, and they're like, they're like no larger than my pinky finger. But I think that makes the nice, the, the nice sound, and not the bad one. I think so too. So, Liana, thank you so much for being here. I'm sorry you had to miss Mariska, um, but we're just so glad you could be with us. And I was wondering if you could give a little intro about yourself. A little intro about myself. Yes. Let's see. So I met Shannon Bryce at UCLA in the marching band. I don't know if we want to talk about that. Uh, have we? I feel like we've We've definitely revealed it. that we were in a marching band sorority. Oh, God. Oh, no. We, you brought it up again, folks. Um, <laughs> I was a part of that. But I met Shannon Bryce at UCLA at the marching band. We and lived together. I lived with Bryce for... Many years. I would say almost four years. It was like three and a half years. Yeah. Um, but I recently moved here to New York City. Bada bing, bada boom, baby. Um, and I'm going to grad school at NYU. So that is what brings me here. She's so smart. And I watched Charmed because of these two lovely ladies. So now it's my time to shine. Hello. Ah, that was wonderful. That was beautiful. One of my most favorite people in the world on one of my most favorite things to do in the world. (gasps) Wow. Don't say that. Some very high standards. (laughs) I didn't realize I was in the company of either of those things. Yeah, I mean, it's this mic. Oh, okay. (laughs) And Mariska, she was just here, right? Yeah, and Mariska, Yeah. yeah. 
We, oh, we're using a new mic. We are. Uh, Bryce got me a mic for my birthday. It's a little blue snowball. It's the stupidest looking thing in the world. It really is. It, it looks like one of those little um, monster, not monsters, little robots from The Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah. It looks yeah, like a little, yeah, yeah. little dude that's going to shoot a laser at it. And it even has a and little, it's a little red yeah. blue eyeball. Yeah, it's staring at us Ow. and it's about to shoot its lasers. Watch out. Do you oh, want to boy. jump into manor keeping? Yes. Okay. I would love to. You've got a lot going on. Uh huh. What's going uh, on? And I said, help! <laughs> um, so, what is going on? Okay, lots and lots of things. I'm winding up my full time job for the summer. I'm getting ready to start my final semester of grad school. Wow. <gasps> yeah. um, so smart. So, lots of things that I am waiting on right now, hearing to see if I get to do, um, have been having a wonderful time this summer. Uh, it's weird to say that like a full-time job felt like a break, but it really did because I was only focusing on a nine-to-five and then doing things that I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Working nine-to-five, what a way to make a living. Yes, so I was doing that and I did wake up every morning to Dolly Parton's nine-to-five, actually. That <laughs> is my alarm. Did, the, did you make a living? Um, I'm here, aren't I? This is true. She is not yeah. deceased. Mm. So I am living. Unless you are a ghost. Great segue in today's episode. No, That's true. Um, but yeah, yeah, so things are going well. Um, an exciting thing. Let's see. What's an exciting thing? Oh Your show yesterday? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yes, an exciting thing that I think I've already kind of talked about. Um, but I have been kind of moving into the world of like drag, burlesque, that kind of stuff. And yesterday, I got to do this amazing show called In Living Color, which is in Brooklyn. And they're specifically a show that is open to queer and trans folks, especially queer and trans people of color, and folks completely outside of binaries. And that's been a lovely experience to be in that space, and then also to be performing in that space and be welcomed by so many people who are enthusiastic about not, I guess, uh, really it's weird to call drag straight in any way, but not uh, the main, yeah, not homogenized drag. Mm-hmm. So that was really wonderful. I took off my clothes as I want to do, got some money, stripped mm. to Johnny Cash. It was a great time. Which, which tune did you strip to? Um, I'm on fire, which is actually <laughs> a Bruce Springsteen cover. Interesting. I did, I did hear about that. Yeah. So it was a really good time. And, um, it was really fun to hear people come up to me afterward and be like, you did Johnny Cash? Wah! That was fun. And one dude was had this like stupefied look on his face and went, that changed my life. <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. That's really cute. Yeah, so love being in queer spaces and being validated for it. Yeah. I'm very happy for you. Thank you very much. Do you have any other news? Do I have any other news? The cicadas. The cicadas have news and they're saying, it's time to mate, folks. Um, Do you want to go next, Liana? I guess I will. Well, there's been a lot happening in my life as I've just moved here barely a month ago. Um, I haven't spent a lot of time in the city so far because after my first week here, I ended up going to Vermont for this really cool cheese sort of situation. I guess the background is needed for that. Um, I work in cheese, so I worked as a cheesemonger back in LA, and I am kind of trying to continue that over here. Um, so I was able to go up to Vermont, which is where like so much great American artisanal cheese is made, um, to a conference for this like industry education day, and I met so many cheesemakers, and I learned so, so much about cheese, and it was really nice to kind of escape the city. Um, 
when I was moving over here, I was trying to make use of everything that California had to offer when it comes to sort of like outdoorsiness. Um, I got really into rock climbing and I was hiking a lot. And then I came here and I'm like, it's so hot and it's also a city. Where are the plants? Mm. Um, so it was really nice to go up to Vermont and drive through the Catskills and see like the greenery and just like be completely off the grid. Because fun fact, Vermont has like no cell service anywhere. Holy like cow. you leave the earth when you go to Vermont, but it's really beautiful. And it was nice to kind of step back and be able to kind of like live in the now instead of constantly being on my phone and thinking about what's happening. Um, I got to make some really cool cheese with some really cool folks. And I don't know, it was a really amazing opportunity. And I left with so many memories and so much cheese knowledge. So that was, I'd say, the most recent exciting thing that happened to me. And now back in the city, it's hot. But we're making do. School starting relatively soon. Mm-hmm. Job might be starting relatively soon. Soon. So stay tuned. So stuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, folks. Um, that's good. That's a lot of good news. Um, I don't know if anything like egregiously different has happened to me in the past couple of weeks. You did see a good show. I did see a good show. I saw several good shows. We went to go see um, Beetlejuice. Pero guese. Pero guese. Beetlejuice. When uh, our friend Noah was here, and that was a good time. Um, we also had some friends who were coming up from a, for a day trip from D.C. to New York. And we all hung out and had a little picnic in Central Park. And it was the only day when I didn't want to melt and die. Um, and then we also went to see, Shane and I went to go see um, Tuesdays at 54 Below with ellipses, Robbie Rozelle, exclamation point. <laughs> And spe- sorry, I didn't follow. <laughs> it's a, it's just like a, um, a weekly standing show, and it's kind of like a variety show slash talk show slash open mic. But you, you, you have to sign up ahead of time, so it's not an open mic. <laughs> well, closed microphone for these folks. But there were three, several special guests, and they're all um, Broadway stars, and mm. one of them was Bonnie Milligan. Ah! Ah! Who sorry, was, excuse me. Ah! <laughs> is of head over heels fame. Um, they were robbed. Oh, yep. Head Over Heels was robbed. Oh, who did she? Was she the, the, the princess? Yeah, Princess Pamela. I did see Head Over Heels when I was in New York last in October. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, I had to leave early because I had to catch a flight, which was very, very sad. But I had an amazing time, and it's really, yeah, they were robbed, and it was really sad. So Agreed. we're all connected to this now. <laughs> we're all in this now. The pact is sealed. Pact is sealed. Head Over Heels was robbed. Our bodies are fused. Many Tonys. That's the most heinous crime here in New York City. Boom, boom. Bum bum. Mariska. <laughs> Excuse me, Mariska, can you solve this? Um, I just want to say some gay news. Um, today in gay news. So, Law and Order is SVU is entering its 21st season, which is batshit. They can drink now! <laughs> Congratulations! You're of age! Um, and it has a lot of problems just as a show, which I don't, I don't even know if I've talked about it or alluded to it before on this pod. Um, but aside from Charmed, Law & Order SVU is probably my, like, most obsessive show. No way. Yeah. Purely because of Mariska Argitay. I was gonna uh, say, you really kept it cool for how much that show means to you when you were I saying it earlier. I yeah. Well, I'm a professional. That's yeah. true. You, you really are. Yeah, consummate professional here over this bed. <laughs> um, uh, amen. But, uh, they came out with their 21st season kind of photo and it's just a photo of Mariska Hargitay staring <laughs> people down and I was like oh okay so they've really leaned into what makes the show work <laughs> they um, know what the fans are here they for. know what the people want 
Give the people uh, what yes. they want. Give, give the people what they want. And um, it's Mariska, just stare me in the eyes. Exactly. I think that brings us to the end of this podcast. Good, okay, good night, everyone. It's <laughs> great bum. having you here, Liana and Mariska. Thanks, Mariska. You're um, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still here, by the way. I'm just standing in the hallway, so I didn't interrupt because I'm polite. Damn. Damn, what a polite as person. Hell. Why is she still here? <laughs> Doesn't she have so many other places to be? I wouldn't want to be anywhere except for here. Wow. <laughs> also, I heard you guys are ordering Thai food. We are. We are. We'll have to take a break at some point to um. eat that. We are about to review season one, episode 20 of Charmed. The... It's the power of two. <laughs> it's ironic that um, this episode is the power of two, but now there are three people on this pod. Oh, oh my gosh. I've ruined it. Oh my it's gosh. the upside down. We flip-flopped. Uh-oh. We flop-flipped. Inside out. Okay. So, so the yes. power of two was written by Brad Kern. It was directed by Elodie Keene. Which, by the way, my friend Eloise's birthday is today. Thanks, Eloise. Oh, um, happy birth. Happy birth. And it was aired May 12th, 1999. Yes. So we're going to do the thing again where we have uh, a quick rundown of scenes. So we're going to go scene by scene. But we're going to go kind of quick through the scene because we want to hit the themes of the show instead. The Thames. The Thames. Um, but before we do all of that, to give us more of a structure to understand what this show is doing for this episode, we'll do an overview of the episode through the through the three different lenses of the sisters. Three lenses. Three lens sisters. Three lens cinema club. <laughs> three lens bicycle Bombay. Three <laughs> lenses down. Three uh, lens. What? Uh, three lens mice. No. Three. <laughs> third lens wine. <laughs> okay, so for Piper, we have this pretty easy out of the way quickly. She goes on a conference in. Honolulu. Honolulu, Hawaii. And she's just out of the way. So I wonder if she, like, had some sort of a conflict yeah. or something. She had to do some big show. I'm going to go to Holly Marie Combs and be like, where were you the night of May 12th, 1999? She's going to be like, damn, watching it, I guess. <laughs> um, let's do each a sister. Ooh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I did, okay, so I did Piper. Do you want to do a sister? Um, BB approved. I'm trying to remember what happens to both of them. Here, I, I will do one, and then you can do the, the last person. So, um, this is Prue's episode where she finally, finally reveals to Andy, or well, like, she finally has a talk with Andy, and they have a real heart to heart about what it means now that he knows she is magic with a K. Uh, magic. Magic. <laughs> um, and then I. I uh, I think that Phoebe's plotline is probably the the plot that actually involves the demon. Yes. So I, we left you the hard one. Yes. Thank you so much for <laughs> Shayna taking the one that is Piper is gone, and I have to talk about the plot. Um, so if I can remember correctly, um, Phoebe is... Oh, yes. So Phoebe and Prue are alone in the house, and Prue is a working girl, and she tells Phoebe to handle some chores, but... Phoebe, liking to have fun, is like, I want to go to Alcatraz with my friend. So she goes, and then she sees a ghosty ghost, and it's not good. Um, so she is on the case to see what this ghosty ghost is going to do. And many different things happen to her, and she is a professional sleuth. But she also has some nice moments, and also some tough moments, with Prue in the making. Detective Phoebe! <laughs> Um, and then maybe in case we like don't put it together throughout the rest of this episode, we'll just say that the ghost um, does kill people. So we learn how to track down a ghost using ectoplasm, whatever, 
And then we finally capture him, and it turns out he's also sort of working with like a demon who ferries people to the underworld. Yeah, she's yeah. got fire hands and a big cloak. Didn't make sense. Yeah, <laughs> truly did not. It was just like a generic evil woman mm-hmm. sorcerer person wearing like the the Rite Aid witch costume. Yeah, the Rite Aid witch costume plus a corset for your boobs. Yeah. Oh, did you say that Jackson, who was the ghost, um, was killing people who had convicted him? Yes, that was the thing. The ghost in Alcatraz was killing people who had convicted him because he was a serial killer. So he was killing all the people that were like, it was bad that you were a serial killer. Yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> so he's serial killing again, essentially. Ugh. Yeah, and in a very creepy way of like stabbing people 13 times. In a circular in pattern. In a circular pattern. His M.O. Yeah, it's M.O. Not a very creative MO. I like shapes. <laughs> uh, all right. So scene one. It's a bunch of hubbub. A lot of ballyhoo happening at the manor. Um, I believe that Prue's just rushing off to work. Piper's rushing off to her convention. And Phoebe is learning how to control her powers to a higher extent. Yes, she is attempting to call forth her premonitions with a blink of her eye um because she's trying to meditate it kind of looks like and like yeah gather her her uh her center or what I, I don't know it's silly um open her third eye blind but she is able to do it by taking a hold of piper's plane ticket and getting a premonition that piper is going to be late to her plane Good on you, Phoebe. Good Meanwhile, Piper was looking for the plane ticket the entire time, and Phoebe was meditating with it. Yeah. yeah, so really, how helpful are you being, Phoebe? Not very. Yeah, they just really set up a little bit of tension between... Well, there already is tension between Piper... Not Piper. Between Prue and Phoebe, and there always is. But at this p- particular junction, there's a little bit of a talk of job insecurity, mm-hmm. which is happening for Phoebe in terms of her not having a job. And so... Prue and Piper relying on Phoebe to get other things done around the house and kind of taking her for granted. And then with Prue, um, she mentions that all the demoning, all the demon hunting, etc., has caused her to be in a little bit of hot water with her boss. So she's worried about keeping her job. Yeah. Prue uh, does not think that Phoebe's working hard enough thinks Phoebe is too smart to be where she is right now. Phoebe thinks that Prue is debasing her a bit and is giving her all the menial tasks because she's trying to prove a point about Phoebe should be busier. My last thing about this, look at their chokers. Oh my so god, the chokers. Cute. Amazing. Alyssa Milano. Uh, Phoebe and Prue look so good in this episode, especially with their hair growing out. She's such a fan, and the chokers, and like kind of v-necky things. It was truly a lot. Mm. It was a lot. If Piper were in the episode more, I'm sure she would have also looked extra, extra beautiful. So anyway, so the next big scene: the Alcatraz tour. San Francisco. Can I just bring up how long the montage was too today? If this episode, the montage felt like it was 30 years long. There were two montages. There There were two. two montages, and one had like nearly a complete song as it like panned over Alcatraz. Yeah. So we. The montage to get to Alcatraz, we have, like, the the picture of it, and it's like, oh, well, this is very obviously San Francisco. And it's because Phoebe's friend Marianne, mm-hmm. Mariana, whomstever, um, has asked her to come on a tour. Yes, and Phoebe had a bunch of chores that she was given because Piper and Prue were, like, rushing off to do, do their things, but then she felt resentful and decided that she was going to go do the things she wanted to do. 
Yeah. And so she crumples up the list of chores and skitters away to Alcatraz. And goes to, like, one of the worst things she could do to explore the city. Go to an island. Yeah, why would, you, why would you go to Alcatraz? She's a tourist. Yeah. Well, I was also sign. confused because she had lived there her entire life. Yeah. That's true. Okay, that's a big question for me in this entire episode is why are these... Huh? Yeah, you can, like, yours is a little less sensitive, so you can hold it really close. Okay. Uh, the big question for me is, why are all these things happening? Hey, stop that. Liana's trying away. to make up, make, make, make up. up the microphone. Make up the microphone. Make out with the microphone. Um, Just looks so, so much like a face. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, I got it. I got it. I'm on track. Yeah. I'm so on track. So, the big question for me is... Why on earth are all these things happening at this particular time? Because Phoebe could have gone to Alcatraz at any point in having been in San Francisco. And also this ghost. 30 years. 30 years has been deaded um, and haunting Alcatraz could have chosen any tourist to hop into and get off the island. Well, I think it's because the demon fairy witch was there. We actually never find out who she is. A shopper at Rite Aid of costumes with fire on her hands. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so she conks out the guard and he does a big sleep and then the big ghost goes inside him. Yes, Prue's at work and she is being threatened by Claire Price. Her job. No, no. My price line. Um, and she is trying to be professional and she's like, Phoebe, what are you talking about? And Phoebe's like, the ghosts are interesting, aren't they? I was just doing some research, that's all. And Prue's like, ah, I got more shit to deal with. Um, so Daryl and Andy back at it, two buds on the case. When um, someone comes in, I guess she is the person who assigns cases. This is another instance of kind of token representation. Yes, yeah. It's, this episode is full of it. It's very strange because everybody gets like two lines. Mm-hmm. And they're only either expositional or they're, like, very inconsequential. We definitely talked about this just in the last episode about how, wait, we have side characters? Cast them all as minorities, but keep the main characters white. Yep. Except for Daryl. Daryl's true. Yeah. Who has not had that much to do yet. This Mm -hmm. is true. He is starting to reveal himself as maybe a pivotal uh, person in Andy's life in this episode. Mm -hmm. Relationships. Okay. They cute. <laughs> they are though. Yeah, Daryl. So, the way that they looked into each other's eyes was really, really beautiful. And he like grabbed his ha- arm, and it was it was very beautiful as friends, yeah. just friends, just just two guys, two dudes being guys. Yes. Hanging out in the hot tub, five feet apart. Because they're police. Police. Um. um so and this-, this is where we learned that Jackson Ward has been dead for thirty six years. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this entire scene because it reminded me of the X-Files because the lady comes in and she's like, you guys are the experts on the freaky cases. Look at this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found a fingerprint, but it's not a regular fingerprint. It's an ultraviolet fingerprint, which, you know, doesn't exist. A ghost fingerprint. A ghost print. Ectoplasm. Uh, All over that knifey. And he's like, wait, there's a weird case. Snatches the file, runs out of that room. Yeah, Andy, like, literally snatched the file and kind of ran away with it. David Duchovny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, he really got into that character. He, like, was inspired by David, our good friend David. Okay. Our good friend. Back at the manor. Okay, back at the manor. Phoebe didn't do the dishes! Oh, my God. Ah, as Prue comes back and sees that. And Phoebe is already going on a little hint of this of, ugh, I know that, um, you don't see me as someone 
of much consequence because I don't have ambition. And there's going, they're building up to this uh, big conversation about prioritizing other people's time and needs over your own. So, yes. Anyway. Um, a good and talk. Then Andy! And then another good talk! Andy comes. Well, he sort of talks. They're like, hey, so we should talk about this. And Andy's like, I'm on a case. Not now. An X-File. X-File. Take it. Um, so he starts explaining the whole ghost thing, and then Phoebe's, like, filling in the information, and then Prue's like, how do you know this as well? And in her head, I'm pretty sure Prue was go going, coincidence? I think not. Winky dink I think not a word. Improbable. Improbable. <laughs> um, and then also, I just wanted to say that the conversation that Andy and Prue have is a really interesting one when you don't put it in the context of the entire episode mm. because it seems as though Andy is actually into Prue being a witch. Yeah. It seems as though he's, like, encouraging of it. But when you look at the optics of the whole thing and what he says at the end in terms of he needs a normal life, yeah. well, he's really just using her. Yeah, exactly. I got that vibe from him. It was kind of annoying because... It was like as soon as he heard that there was like a ghost case, he went immediately mm. to Prue because he's like, she knows magic and maybe she can help me with my job. But then in the end, he tells her that he doesn't like that part of her. So he's completely using her for helping him forward his career and like help him solve things, yeah. which is really manipulative. You know what that reminds me of? What? When one of my friends who is either a writer or a creator or something or has a project is like, I need to do something about diversity or queerness specifically. Shayna, time to talk to the person who is very public about uh, an identity that seems marginalized. Okay, I'm going to use you for your knowledge. Yeah. So what I'm saying is Prue is gay. Ooh. Thesis. Thesis. Said. So um, Andy is staring out the window, like, lost in thought uh, uh, over the whole mention of ghosts because Phoebe's just going off about, like, this is the ghost of Alcatraz. I've researched it, blah, blah, blah. And um, he turns and he looks at them and he goes, demons and witches just starting to get used to. Ghosts, really hard to wrap my mind around. And this comes up to this second theme that I wanted to talk about this episode, which is how do we understand and incorporate the idea of the supernatural or the fantastic into our lives? And I specifically want to talk about this because I was reading a book recently, and it's called uh, The Best American Science and Nature Writing of 2018. And it's an anthology, and it's full of a bunch of different passages of science writing that happened in the past year. It's like well curated, very good, and it means a lot to me as well because um, one of my interests was health communication, which is like kind of a subsection of science writing. Anyway, so in the book, there was a passage called Fantastic Beasts and How to Rank Them um, by Katherine Schultz, and she wrote this piece for The New Yorker, and it's all about the question of how do hum humans draw distinctions between supernatural creatures? Because if you ask someone, hey, rank this list of fairies, werewolf, Bigfoot, vampire, please rank this in order of what's the most believable. Realistically, they should say, if they don't believe in any of them, they should say none of them are believable because um, the impossible is like an absolute kind of value. You're either impossible or you're not. So you can't be like on a spectrum of possibility. But that's what humans do. They figure out in their mind how to make things a spectrum of possibility. So she goes into this whole idea about the suspension of disbelief and how you can make things that are, that are factually impossible, logically plausible, and that's how people like understand things as closer to what they deem as reality. Okay, sorry, I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here. But anyway, I really liked this um, this um, thing that Andy says about like demons and witches, but ghosts harder to get my head around because ghosts are essentially human beings 
they're just on a different spectral plane. And I think that that kind of like is harder for some people to believe in because it conflicts with our idea of intuitive physics. And that's kind of like one of the reasoning systems that we use to think about what's believable and what's realistic and what's logically factual or what's logically plausible to us. Um, we use a lot of different systems as well. We use the systems of like our understanding of biology, our cultural upbringing, things like that. But anyway, it was a conversation that I wanted to say right now. So I brought it up, which is why I said that this theme that we have to talk about in the episode has to include talking about the supernatural. That's our contribution to this conversation. Bryce had a lot of intelligent thoughts on it. Oh, I said it really fast and now I'm sweating. <laughs> it oh, gets hot in this room. So um, I so the only thing I can really add to that, because uh, I think you did a wonderful job of introducing this concept, um, is that, again, it is one of my favorite tropes that yeah. whenever like uh, somebody is a vampire slayer or something like that, or a witch, especially Uncharmed, if they're a witch and they're like, leprechauns, those don't exist and things like that. Because again, when you're subjectively like in your body as a witch or something like that, or a vampire slayer, well, you've gotten used to the idea of yourself, mm-hmm. supposedly. But anything else, too far outside of the realm. Yeah, and I also think it's like an attempt by these TV shows or movies to limit their world to, this is our kind of magic. We're not going to talk about that other stuff. Yeah, they do that. Like, they set these rules of perception to excuse why they're not going into other things, but they also leave the door open because a lot of the people who are principal characters at one time were human. Ah. So they could not know about things that exist. So they kind of give themselves a very wide berth. Mm-hmm. of like what to experience yeah they're just uh, setting themselves up for another season yeah exactly okay let's move on to the next scene uh where this is a scary scene we're at judge renault's headquarters he works late Ooh, yeah judge reno oh sorry no i, I don't know i think it's renault oh okay i, I think know. it's ronaldo <laughs> so judge the, reagan so the honorable judge um is working late and jackson ward materializes um and then stabs him. Yeah, and it has this horrible special effects situation where it's like, in some scenes you can see Jackson with a knife, and then in other scenes it's like this knife that is definitely attached to like a, a fishing string. string. <laughs> it's like, like floating so around. It's very, very interestingly done. And the man who is playing the judge has the most silly scared face <laughs> acting and scared whimpering that I've seen potentially on the show so far. Um, he also kind of looked like the meme of that old man wearing, like, a red turtleneck, like, shrugging. He kind of uh-huh. reminded me of that man. Anyway, so he almost gets stabbed. He does get stabbed. Oh, he does get stabbed. Stabby, stabby. It's the later lady. Womp. That doesn't get stabbed. Stabby, stabby, stab, stab, stab. Jab okay. one more eye. It's a federal offense, kid. Oh. Anyway. That was a Simpsons movie reference. Oh. <laughs> Very, uh, high culture over here. <laughs> um, spider pig. That's all I got. So, uh, he stabs him. The lady who wears the Rite Aid clothing, Rite Aid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reappears and is like, okay, I've helped you get your revenge. Now help me get a witch. And then Jackson's like, no, we're just beginning. Yeah. You thought. He's got an agenda. Exactly. And then we go back to the precinct? No, police, no, 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 no. See the crime. At, yes. Mm. The police came to, the, to yeah. the now, to the here. The precinct has been sanked. And now they're at the crime scene. Okay. Well, they're at the scene of the crime, and Daryl and Andy are there. 
Oh yeah. And um, the uh, one of the CSI people was like, I found the murder weapon. And then, um, and he's like, did you get any prints? And the CSI guy's like, no. And then in one of my favorite lines of the episode, and he goes, did you fluoroscope it? I wrote that too. <laughs> did you test for the fluoride in the water? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's poisoning us. It's turning the frogs gay. The government. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, they found a print again. So, ghost confirmed. Ghost, ghost confirmed. And this whole time, Daryl was very concerned about Andy. Yeah. He's like, what are you hiding? Why are you not telling me anything? What's all this with the ghosts? You and really love ghosts now. And you never talk to me. <laughs> you only talk to ghost? your ghosts. And Prue. And she's kind of weird. Maybe she's a ghost. <gasps> Is she your girlfriend? Please. GF? Don't let her be ghost friend. <laughs> don't let her be your ghost friend. Because I want to kiss you. Oh. He would rather have Prue ghost him so that he's the only one in Andy's life. Ah, that's a good one. Anyway, so Daryl and Andy are at the crime scene, and Andy is doing the spooktacular investigation. Spooktown. Um, and in the, I'm pretty sure he, like, just leaves, and then these two other government officials come in, and they're like, hey, Daryl, we gotta talk to you about your buddy. He's a little too ghosty. I think that's later. Oh, really? Well, I took the wrong notes. Well, let's go there quickly then. Okay, so first we go to the Manor's Attic, where... uh, Well, first we go to Buckland. First we go to Buckland, and then the acquire... I don't know if they are acquirers? The business people. Yeah, the the buyers. The more Asian people. The more Asian people, yes. With two lines. But that's not a token. That's a stereotype. Yeah. It's a trope. Anyway, so the Asian people are there. They were looking to buy or sell or acquire. Bye, curious. And they checked their watch in time to the music, which I thought was really fun. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Prue comes in late, and Claire is like, "Fired. Why are you late? You're gonna be fired if you keep doing that." And I know. Like, I'm so sorry. And then just as they're about to head off, Andy comes in. And is like, "Prue, I need to talk to you." Right as she's about to talk to the buyers. Oh, shoot. The choirs. Oh, no. The sellers. Ah, very inappropriate. Yeah. So. This is a place of work. He whisks her away. And they go back to the manor. Manor's attic, where Phoebe is pouring over the book of Shabbadabbles. <laughs> the she book said, of Shabbadabbles. Shabbadubadok, or something like that. But it was very, very wonderful to see into her future scatting career. <laughs> <laughs> right. When Andy comes in and uh, Phoebe is trying to hide the book. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. She, she, she like covers her body and is like, why is he here? The book of Shabba-dabba-doo! <laughs> Scooby-dooby-doo! I love cartoons! Um, and what they have found in the book of Shabba-dabba-doo is that in order to defeat this ghost, they don't need the power of three, which is something they were worried about. Instead, one of them needs to go onto the astral plane. boom boom Where? Where? All three at once. Where? <laughs> but in order to go to the astral plane, one of them must, must die. die. Spooky noises. Spooky noises. <laughs> Note to Clowns are scary. Okay. Hey, okay. So we're good. We're good. We're good. We're back. And we're back. And okay. we're back. Scene. Um, yeah, so one of them must die in order for them to go onto the astral plane because they must do a spell while in ghosty form because mm. only people in the ghosty world can curse the ghosty ghosts. But it's weird that the ghosts can harm humans, but the humans can't. Anyway. Mm. Double standard? Rude. I think so. Um, and also Andy opens a little bit of a, up about how he grew up. Um, always thinking that there was some other kind of world just beyond his realm of understanding. Just beyond the realm of 
So we know he wants to believe. He wants to believe, and this is where I wrote that we're getting into two completely different shows in the same show. I, yeah. <laughs> we have a kind of funny, kind of campy and silly uh, sisters, mm. sister act going on in which, actually, I think Alyssa Milano, more than anyone, gets to do a lot of fun little acting. And, and Shannon Doherty mm-hmm. also. They have a lot of little one-liners in this one. Meanwhile, Andy monologuing about his <laughs> his childhood and how he always knew in the x-files music and it's it's just very strange to have that happen not only in the same episode but in the same scene yeah it was very very stark it totally did feel like two separate entities with the like one-liners of the book of shabba duke with Alyssa milano and then andy literally like talking in like a quiet grumbly voice yeah and, like, it, it like the shot it seemed like the bags on his eyes were especially big and he like got all brooding and he was like in the dark it was yeah. very strange it's mm. almost like you could like go up against the window and then the Venetian blinds have like shadows across his face. Oh my god, like Angel. Yeah. 100% like that. It makes me wonder what it, that whole scene would look like if they were cut completely differently and you just kind of have the Andy scenes and just the proven <laughs> oh, baby scenes. That would be funny. That'd be Detective really Andy. He is it. Inspector Trudeau. Inspector Trudeau. Um, so um, yes, so they're in two different worlds and basically they're like, well, you gotta get used to this. And then the book flips to a truth spell page. Hmm. And now it's my next favorite line of the episode. Just sometimes does that on its own. (laughs) (laughs) Very casual. Oh, my other third favorite line, which was back when Andy was trying to, like, reconcile his reality with his new reality. And uh, Phoebe goes, welcome to our little shop of horrors. (laughs) Little shop, little shop of horrors. Suddenly seen. Oh. (laughs) Nice. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh... Yes, so then we cut to, you should, well, up in the attic, you should tell him. You should tell him about the, maybe there is a reason that it's flipping to the truth spell. Hmm? Hmm Hmm-hmm. Cut to commercial. And then when they come back, Andy is yelling about, you should have told me. How dare you do this to me? (sighs) You only give, you only gave me ten seconds. Yeah. To really comprehend that you were a witch, so of course I didn't know how to answer. You should have given me more time. Which you said. Mm-hmm. You were spot on. Which I agreed with. Um, and then they just kind of push this big argument to the side so they can get on with the ghost hunting. Yes. Police station. Uh, so Andy goes and he picks out the murder weapon, his favorite. <laughs> Andrew Trudeau, he says. Oh. Here to sign it out. <laughs> um, and he takes out the murder weapon because he wants to go and do some inspecting on it with his new witch friends. And then the... Uh, and somebody's watching. Yeah. So um, the person who checks it out to him, I don't know what their jobs are. I don't know anything about police. Code check, but police version. Yeah. Evidence Evidence check. locker. Evidence locker guy turns and grabs the phone and says, you bum, told bum. Me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you told me to call if Trudeau showed. Who is it? Someone's Somebody's watching. watching. It's really the X Files. It literally, yeah. It's like, it's it's exa- it's the man in the brown coat with the cigarette. Yeah, cigarette man. Oh my god, it really is. As they call him. Okay, so Andy goes back through the precinct itself, and he runs into Daryl. And Daryl, this is when they have their big like. Daryl's like, "Why don't you ever hang out with me anymore? We work Why don't together. You trust me. I'm your partner. I know." And Andy's like, "There's some stuff I can't tell you." And Daryl's like try me and i'm like keys i know and they're getting very physically close and like making a lot of body contact and holding each other i'm like wow it's like they're cuddling but they're angry (laughs) angry cuddles yeah and they said like some really some really like 
intimate stuff like we work together this is an exception like i feel like that's like stuff you say to lovers Mm -hmm. it's also very interesting that andy didn't just try to lie like a normal person and he just acted very dramatic instead and just did not uh, it was very strange yeah i feel like a policeman would have a better way of trying to get around those situations well he's not a policeman though oh you're right he's a detective inspector (laughs) inspector trudeau with no skills of hiding what your actual intentions are yep exactly bad liar so this is the scene that you were bringing up earlier liana about internal affairs coming in yes the two folks in suits as soon as andy leaves come to daryl and they're like we have some questions about mr ghosty over here that we'd like to ask you about and daryl has a little yeah and then daryl has a little yikes face on and then it kind of fades to the next scene yeah, it's yes. the IAB, Internal Affairs Bureau. They're the people who come and investigate police oh. to make sure they're not corrupt. Huh. The only reason I know this, Law & Order SVU. <laughs> bum, bum. Dun, dun. <laughs> Rishka, where are you? Rishka, can you weigh in on this? Oh, I think she left. Man, she took the Thai food and ran. She just scurried out of here. That's fair. I would have done that. Yeah, it's okay. One thing that I would like to note about the premonition is she said that when she saw it, she could actually feel the pain and terror that was happening in it. So it kind of seems like her power is developing, not in just in the way that she's able to summon it, but kind of her connection to it. And I think that's interesting that that's reflected in her power because I feel like she's one of the most empathetic people when it comes to like fighting the baddies. She's always the one who's like super onto it because she really seems to care about these victims. So, just keep that in mind. I can't say anything about future seasons, but wow, you hit on something real good there. whoop a doop boop My brain, it finally started working! She's an empath. Iris Biederman, what an old lady name. She was the foreman on the jury who convicted Jackson. And I get to watch Alyssa Milano do some karate skills again, and it's amazing! Yeah, I love that so I love much. fighting Phoebe. Big kick. I like her high-pitched noises. Um, anyway, it was pretty funny. One of my favorite things is, I believe it was... Like, Andy pulls out his gun, and then someone's like, you can't shoot a ghost! Oh, oh that was me. Oh, like, uh, never I mind. I yelled that at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the ghost realizes he's outmatched. But he, he still walks through a wall and gets out of there. And he just slinks away. I know, it was like the Homer Simpson meme, but through through the wall. He just kind of backed away, and he's like, I'll get you next time. I'll be back. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little inspector, too. It was extremely anticlimactic, actually. Like, they didn't have a plan at all. Yeah. Yeah. For how they were going to get this ghosty. Yeah. But that's because we have a real good final fight scene coming up. True. That's true. They just didn't have a good justification for it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So now we go back to the manor, and this is when Prue and Phoebe have a big argument. Big Big, old Big argue. Prue is mad because Phoebe is mad at Phoebe because Phoebe doesn't work, or... So Phoebe says. And Phoebe is mad at Prue because Phoebe feels like she's condescended to. Mm-hmm. Both of which seem true. Yeah. And Prue admits that. What? And then Piper calls to diffuse the tension because that's what she does as the middle child. Yeah, and even from far away, and even in an episode where she too has like five lines, <laughs> she is able to diffuse the tension. Thanks, Piper. And she's sitting in her, her chair. Her big old chair. Big old wicker chair at the conference. And she's saying, yeah, I am just just haven't stopped working since I've gotten off the plane. And a waiter brings her a drink. And she's like, oh, thank you. And it's huge drink. <laughs> like a giant coconut shell that's been carved into like a tiki face or something. It was lovely. Yeah. And tiny Holly Marie Combs. Yeah. The giant big chair. chair. <laughs> I love when tiny people hold big things. Bryce, go hold something big. <laughs> Um, one thing that I feel like I really liked about the conversation between, um, Phoebe and Prue, um, 
basically the argument was that, as you said, Prue was mad that Phoebe wasn't working and that Phoebe was mad that she was being condescended to. And I felt like it really reflected sort of the attitude towards women, especially housewives back in the day Mm. of like, you're home, so you should be doing this stuff. So you should be expected to do this. So it was really nice to hear um, Phoebe kind of express like how that's messed up because I think that's something that I kind of thought about. Um, and it was also really nice that Prue was understanding and, like, admitted, like, hey, yes, I see where you're coming from. And we can all learn from these two lovely women. Yeah. They do have a kind of a resolution. I don't know if it's now or if it's later on in the episode. But Prue's like, you do work hard. And Phoebe's like, thanks. Thanks, but she I know. Also, she also kind of, like, says, like, I know I do work hard, but I also want to do real work. And the term real work has a lot of connotations to it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it, this could be feminist. But also, since their resolution is Phoebe saying, I do want to do real work, it kind of goes a little bit backward. It's kind of like Alyssa Milano's brand of feminism. Ah! Yow! Zing! <laughs> a zinga. That's a big solid bar. That, sorry, excuse me. Uh, no, let's do a more appropriate reaction. Wow, that oh. was really good, Bryce. Insightful, insightful. Very insightful. I'm talking about intersectionality here. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Although, I will say, Alyssa Milano goes off in this. It's wonderful. She's yeah. a great actress. I think she's a great dramatic and comedic actress. I agree. I really did like the moments of just having her act at me. Yes. Please do more of that. Thank you, Alyssa. Physically at me next time. <laughs> but stop endorsing Marianne Williamson. Oh. Uh, womp womp. Okay. okay. Police station. Mm. So they go to the police station and Daryl tells Andy about the internal affairs. He's like, I didn't want to tell you this, but they're on you. So watch your back, bro. That's kind of it. Daryl just tells Andy about that. And then Daryl's like... I'm here to help you. Just let me help you. Watch your back, bro. And Andy's like, no. Yeah, Andy's being very brooding in this episode. Yeah, he's like, I'm, I gotta follow my own path, do it my own way, which is the hard way because I'm tough. I always thought that Andy was a cancer, like following him throughout the entire first season so far, I got big cancer vibes from him and this kind of nailed it in for me. Um, But anyway, after that scene between Daryl and Andy, it goes to... The... We go back to the manor. We go back to the manor, and they're trying to figure out a good potion-y potion. In this part, um, they actually do resolve the argument they they were having before. Prue recognizes that she takes Phoebe for granted, which is amazing. The psychoanalysis to go worked! Um, and they admit that Piper is the voice of reason, and they miss her. And then, there's a lame spell, because no. Ghosty shows up. Yes, so the idea is that they need to lure an evil spirit, but the only way to do it is to pour a potion over his grave, so they hustle off to his family mausoleum in Palo Alto, throw a bunch of... Mercury and acid. And the blood of one of his victims. Mercury and acid. Yeah, no, literally, I wrote that down, and I was like, what the fart? Where did they get those? And I was like, what happened? I would love to know what happens when you combine mercury and acid in real life, because that sounds like a bad call. You summon the ghost. How do you even get that? How do you, you break open a thermometer and then you get some lemon juice and then you make a nice vinaigrette, pour it over your salad, bada bing, bada boom, delicious. Mwah! Feed it to the goats. <laughs> Spoon feed it. Okay, anyway, whatever. So the idea, oh my, actually, before we move on really quickly, when they uh, leave the potion on his grave, they also have to leave a photo of themselves and an address so that he knows where to find them because they're not going to stick around. And so it's dumb. It's like a Polaroid of them with their thumbs in the air and they're like, hey, Jackson, let's party. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Phoebe wrote that. Okay, so back to Jackson, who the po- the potion is happening at the same time he is trying to do. We a got a Buffy reference. I forgot. We got a Buffy reference what was it? in the mausoleum. In the Muffy, uh, Muffy. <laughs> in the mausoleum, um, Prue says uh, when they have to like throw the thing, 
And it's very creepy. Prue goes, great, where's Buffy when you need her? Oh, my God. Ah, I totally missed it. Was really amazing. We did pause and go back to listen to it again because it really did happen. Mm-hmm. Worlds collide. X-Files, Buffy, Charmed. Three of my favorite things in one scene. All three at once. All three at once. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, okay, so they rush back to the manor so they can go meet him when he comes to see them. Back at the police station, Andy's like, I'm getting hunted by internal affairs. Gotta grab all my files about Prue. Get out of here. And then Internal Affairs stops him, and we're all nervous because we're like, it's in his bag now, and he has to be interviewed. Um, commercial. Commercial. Back out from commercial. This big old confidential file that just says confidential on it. Like, there's no other <laughs> protections. That'll stop him. That'll stop him. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, now uh, Andy is getting interrogated by mm. IAB. I, you know what? This is interesting. Because um, the IAB are telling him that he was on the fast track to become a captain, but then something happened when he started taking all these freaky cases and leaving them unsolved, and they're like, what, what the big, what's the big change? Like, why is your career going in the other direction? And even though we talk about how later on Andy's uncertain about his relationship with Prue because of his desire for a normal life, I wonder if some of it was influenced by his aspirations and his personal ambitions. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's definitely a factor in how he's treating her yeah he's a career guy and this way he gets prue and his career at the same time oh man i don't actually think that was his intention though i don't think it was necessarily his intention but i do think it's something that's influencing him Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely think that his career his past career goals may have kind of taken over when he started realizing that there is a way to solve these different spooky crimes and he got a little sidetracked with what really matters which is friendship exactly true actual human people does he consider prue to be an actual human person anymore Mm, not really not really that's true which sucks okay back at the manor um, oh 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 wait wait okay one more thing one more thing yes my favorite line um so they're trying to pin everything on him and figure out, like, get him to confess something. And um, it, they said they say something about it, like, well, who do you hang this on? And the only thing I could think was, my dick! Like, <laughs> it was very much Andy uh, looking at them wanting to say something. Um, so that's what he said. Hang it off my dick! <laughs> it's been around! I don't know if you... You've- you see vines now. I've <laughs> seen a couple of vines. Folks. Okay. Do you, you remember Shana, Shana the the vine with the guy who's the detective at the uh, crime scene? <laughs> Get off my dick. They're like, yeah. detective, why are you taking all the ice creams out of the freezer? Was this the murder weapon? I don't think so. Get off my dick. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Okay. Um, so he storms yeah. out of there. Back at the manor, Prue's putting together a killer cocktail. Uh, Prue is Doctor Kevorkian. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, um. Oh, this this is where Prue actually apologizes. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yes, They have yes. their little touching moment. Of course, because you know when they have a touching moment, it's always going to be right before somebody is in terrible danger. Yes. Um, and they also talk about how Piper is the voice of reason and how they love her. Oh, which you mentioned last time? Yeah. I, I messed up. I got it out of order. Oh, okay. And Prue is wearing the sexiest cardigan known to man. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Let me paint a picture for you guys. It's a gray kind of felted cardigan with three clasps. One upper 
one middle and one lower and then the middle part just it kind of like bows out between those clasps so you see a lot of skin and yeah. it was good for me although as, I, as soon as it came on like as soon as the uh, scene switched and she was in this cardigan both liana and i were like what it was like such a strange costuming choice because yeah. it was very it was like yes it was prue's cardigan i could see that but the way it was buttoned and the fact she was wearing nothing underneath was interesting they were going for something different i thought that maybe she was wearing anything underneath at first but then i thought maybe it's just like a flesh colored tank top i don't know i saw the titty <laughs> i might have not seen it but i felt it <laughs> physically Ooh, physically spiritually <laughs> The spiritual, spiritual titties. I projected yeah. onto the astral plane to go join her. Oh, ghost titties. Okay. <laughs> okay, so they're talking about how they're going to take the potion, one of them's going to die, and then um, they're going to say the spell, and then they have four minutes to perform CPR on the dead person and bring them back to life before there's ba- brain damage? What? Only got four minutes to save the world. Oh. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, that's that's Madonna, all is that you? <laughs> oh, wait, I can't do a Madonna accent. Oh, shoot. I was about to try it. Yes, hello. Um, I love babies. <laughs> did I do it? I felt like she was in our presence. I really did. Maybe okay. she was off for projecting. <laughs> All right. So um, they also get a phone call at this period in time where Prue was fired. So that's happening as well. Everything is Everything on is fire. Happening. Everything's it failing. It's bad. Everything's on the astral plane. Prue's on... straight up dead. <laughs> <laughs> Prue gets fired. She's straight up dead. It's a lot. There's ghosty ghost. Oh, this is why they have their big talk heart to heart because Phoebe and Piper or Phoebe and Prue are like, who's gonna take the mm, potion? That's right. Yeah. So now that they both know that one of them must die, so the other can. Ward off the ghost as the dead one does a spell. I was like, spell. is this the Harry Potter <laughs> um, prophecy? It brings them closer together because they realize that there is a risk that they could lose one another in this moment. And they share a nice, lovely time as sisters. They do, although Prue is always sure that she's the one who's going to sacrifice herself. She's always been like this. Perfectly clear. And she definitely does a little telekinesis with the coin flip that they do to determine who's going to be the one to take it. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And so she takes it. Okay, and then uh, she gets fired, and then Jackson Ward appears, and then um, Phoebe gets punched in the face, and then Prue gets killed. Yeah, so Prue is dead on the ground, and Phoebe is, like, straight up knocked out, lying on the ground as well. But then, luckily, guess who comes in? It's Andy! Yay, Andy! Andy. And not so lucky. Not so lucky. Because Prue is doing the astral... She's doing the spell. spell. Yes. And it's working! Mr. Ghosty Man is dissolving. He's melting and firing at, uh, on fire at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of fire in this A lot episode. of fire. A lot of fire. Andy. Okay, so um, Andy looks around and he's like, well, this is my worst nightmare. And then he tries to um, perform CPR on Prue. And Prue's like, no, not yet, not yet. And he like um, doesn't listen, obviously. And then uh, Jackson Ward starts to attack Andy because... Um, Prue's starting to come back into her body, which means the spell is wearing off. So Jackson is like able to have power again, and he like grabs a knife and rushes at Andy. And Prue's like, "Andy, behind you!" Dramatic. And Andy hears this, which is interesting because ghosts can't hear. Ghosts have or no ghosts voices. can't communicate to the to the people with the sound. There's no air on the spectral plane. No sound waves. No sound waves. So against physics, Andy is able to hear Prue as a ghost, and he jumps out of the way of the big knifeo. Yeah. So we know something happened. They connected. 
He just jumps out of the way with a big knife runs off into the living room to do something. I don't know. Maybe check on Phoebe, which he did not do. He literally just ran by her, passed out on the ground. I think yeah. he, like, did a pulse thing. <laughs> did he? I don't think so. Yeah, he, like, pat her cheeks. Okay, she's good. <laughs> um, so he runs off to the living room to do something else, presumably, and then uh, Prue is free to start doing the spell again. And a world's lamest spell. Yeah. World's lamest spell. Ashes to ashes, spirit to spirit, take his soul, banish this evil. Oh. They didn't even try. They did not try. They did not even try. Anyway, the the spell works, and he fully dissolves. Yeah, Lame into flame. But it worked. Um, so he's gone. He's gone, and then uh, Andy comes back and starts. Oh, oh, and the lady comes and is like, <gasps> "I wanted a witch's soul, but I guess I'll take his." Shoop a doop shoop. That's what happened. I didn't remember that. Yeah, because yeah. it's so inconsequential. I remember now. And then Prue was like, "What?" Yeah, so the lady could have killed the ghost the Wait, whole time, I guess. Anyway, very confusing, because it seems like she's also kind of ghost, so she could have used... Anyway. Yeah, I keep thinking she's, like, the um uh, the person who's at death's door. Oh. Oh. No. I, I got a weird connection to her and the lady who was in the mirror in the episode with... Oh. Uh, what was her name? I don't remember. The, the angsty teen who looks like yeah. Ellen Page. Yes. Because she also had... The motif of using people to gain witches' power, yes. and also was wearing the Rite Aid costume, and also had the power of fire. Yeah, but she got shattered in the mirror, so she's gone. I think. Yeah, I, 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 I do see that resemblance, and that's actually a really good connection to make. I just kept thinking that this lady was like someone from the underworld who like helps souls get there but it doesn't seem like it because that would be a more neutral force mm -hmm. you're right but she wants and witches she wanted witch. and she was and she was like evil boobs tm like in terms of her whole attire yeah. and her voice we didn't even oh, talk about how had, dramatic yeah. and echoey and oh sultry, yeah ridiculous Put a lot of effects on that evil boobs in other news yeah, yeah my new instagram will be evil boobs <laughs> And then finally on I'll be ghost titties. <laughs> um, talking about silly I lines. am Bernadette Teeters. <laughs> it all works. Um, all three at once. They, they vanquish the ghost and Prue's alive after a nice round of CPR. Um, and Phoebe comes into the room of Andy and Prue recovering from Prue being dead and says, Is the ghost toast? <laughs> Is the ghosty toasty? So I guess that's my favorite line. Wow. I'm glad we all had favorites. Me too. Back at Buckland. Um, all right, so Prue is trying to plead her case to Claire, and Claire's like, I'm not having any of it. And then Trudeau comes in and is like, Miss Hallowell. Ha what was the southern accent? It's so southern. <laughs> Miss Hallowell. If you please. Uh, we'd just like to commend you on behalf of the uh, San Francisco PD for your work with putting together this undercover sting of smugglers. Oh, he said Asian gangs. Yep, Another Asian. mention of oh. Asians. And a negative one. I thought that, I don't know, between the triad episode and this one, he also just referred to it as Asian gangs, not a specific one. Ah, you know, them Asian gangs. All looped together. So that was kind of sad for me, but a mention of Asians, but a demonizing one? Anyway. Well, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be getting these little crumbs. Crumbies. Crumbies. They're not even crumbs. They're like a ghosty toasty <laughs> smashing down all Asian representation. That's, yeah. That's probably just it. Like bread. Yeah, and again, no it's just trying to grab the idea of, like, what do we know that's evil that people can immediately picture in their mind as, like, oh, yeah, that's a bad guy in, in a movie. That's a villain. Yeah, an Asian gang. An Asian gang. That's mainly Anna. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no. 
um, so Trudeau saves Prue's job. Hooray. And then, then they have another big talk. Uh, the most dissatisfying one of the evening. So disappointing. They were building towards something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they left the viewers on the like edge the entire time of the episode. They're like, will he? Won't he? He won't. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He actually is not into it at all as much as he claims to be an X-Files guy. He wants to leave all of that at work and come home to his wife and children and white picket fence. Uh, which is verbatim things that he did ask for. So it's just kind of like a weird romanticizing the American dream situation that I really wasn't a fan of. Mm-hmm. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew Trudeau. Andrew Trudeau is enforcing the heteropatriarchal agenda. Ah. And doing it in a way that does not convince me at all. I know I prefer the magical for a lot of things. Yeah. Oh. Andy doesn't. No. He apparently only when it comes to work. Career guy. Career boy. Stream now from Dorian Electra. Career boy. Um I that's true. I'm plugging that. That's my queer artist. Number 1 is don't enforce the heteropatriarchal agenda at the expense of someone you claim to care about. And number two. number two, stream Career Boy by Dorian Electra. They're both at the same equal level of, of uh, gravitas. Exactly. Okay, so very last scene, the man or the man or the man or the man or what? Depression. <laughs> Business friends. Okay. Back at the man. Yeah, and then Piper comes in. Yeah, Piper comes in. Piper's she back. Gives him, she gets him lays. Yes, they all get laid. And she comes back a day early because she was worried that they were at each other's throats and wanted to make sure that they were getting along well. But they were getting along well. Very well. It they was, killed someone together. They myrtle-dirtled one dude. And they myrtle-dirtled Prue. Oh my god, you're right. Well, they myrtle-dirtled a guy who was already dead. Yeah. And then they brought someone back to life who they killed. So you give some and you take some. And then remember how they poured acid on someone's grave? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you fuck with life's eternal balance, I guess. Huh. Um, so they prefer to live in the magical is what we're saying. They are magical for K. Yes. Magic. Magic. Okay. So Jeremy's ghost death, demon death. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That's the end of the episode. That's it. We're done. Oh, yeah. Whoever comes in is like... Are you sure nothing happened? And they're like, nope. Okay, let's help put away these groceries. And scene. And, and scenes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Jeremy's. I was slightly worried for Prue, but not that worried, mm-hmm. honestly, because I think everything that happened in this episode, even if it didn't make a lot of sense, was pretty predictable. I guess so. But I think that um, objectively, this is one of the most high stakes it's oh, ever yeah, been. Because she's. She's dying. actually dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I think that on the whole, it wasn't actually that tense. Mm-hmm. Um, I would give it 3.5 out of 5. I would give it like a 2.5, Jeremy's. Oh, harsh. I There were just so many things detracting from it for me. Yeah, and Piper wasn't there. Piper wasn't there. There was so much going on. The spell was awful. Yep. That really took it oh, away. fair enough. Yeah. So I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. 2.5. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to sit in the middle of you guys and give them a 3 because I felt like the, the stakes were high and I also really did not sit well with the demon dissolving look because his like chest started dissolving oh. and it was kind of icky for me. Yeah. Um, but then the, the horrible spell also took away from how disturbing it would be. Um, yeah, so I give it a 3 
And I would like a new spell, please. Good point. Good point. I like how you not just gave us a rating, but you gave us a suggestion. A request. Yes. New spell, please. Next. Uh, I like I liked having Leon on this podcast. She's a good guest. Too bad I'll never be back ever again. Oh. Just kidding. We've dro- driven her off. I do believe Leon is. I do. I do. Are you back? It's me, Mariska Harton. <laughs> Hot potato. <laughs> Sorry, I was drinking some water. I just choked a little bit, but I'm back. Wow, so nice of you to come back in between uh, announcing the 21st season of SVU. Yeah, thank you for the Thai food. It was delicious. Yeah, of course. You're, you're welcome. Green curry. Um, last thoughts. Last thoughts. T-H-O-T-S. <laughs> We're getting towards it's the me. end of the season. I'm last thought. Oh. 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 Um, we are getting toward the end of the season. All right. Last thoughts. Let's go. Do you have one? I have no thoughts. You have no, you have no thoughts. Ever. Okay. Okay. I have one. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, it's important to remember that when someone asks you to do a menial task, it's true that they may not be thinking about how much labor it is, but they're also asking you to do something in order to prioritize them and something they've requested. Mm. So there are two sides to that. And communicating clearly what you feel about them asking you to do something that they think is beneath them is probably the best way to solve what's going on between you that doesn't actually have to do with the menial task at all. That was beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Um, my thought. I found it. Um, Daryl and Andy, keys. Yay! That was a very good last thought. Okay. Anything? New spells, please. (laughs) Better rhyme, more interesting, please. (laughs) And you heard it here, folks, straight from Leona's mouth. So thank you so much for listening to Charm to Spellcast. Wow, that is, that's number 20. Good golly. Good golly, Miss Molly. We only have two episodes left in the season. Yeah, stick around. Wow, wow, wow. Um, okay. Penultimate and ultimate. So thank you so much, Liana, for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? You can find me in Bryce's room right now. <laughs> but also you can find me at Liana Kindler. Good luck spelling it. It's, it's how it sounds on Instagram um, and also most social media. So I'm Shayna. You can find me at Bernadette Teeters. I'm Bryce. You can find me at Your Best Bryce or at Finished Foodstagram. And together, we are Charmed a Spellcast. You can find us at Charmed Spellcast on Instagram or write to us at Charmed Spellcast at gmail.com. And now we're going to have a song. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye. Bum, bum. That make me smile when I've got too much on my plate And those little things they take a while when my focus ain't too great I need a bigger cup But you're always on your toes And you see
what I need Will you help me in those little ways Come to my door Let me show you what you do for me Do for me what I owe you for those little things All these bigger things can ring me out And I forget how to breathe Still I know without a doubt You've stored time up your sleeve And I see But don't always say That you care Will you help me in some bigger ways? Come to my door Let me show you been listening to earbud media production earbud media audio for everyone